It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. You didn't know I had these moves, did you, Pilkington? I like them. The P-Man breaking out the dance moves on a Wednesday, middle of the week edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Look at Philip. All right, take down the logo real quick. I want you to see my shirt today. My wife got it for me a while ago. And I've been itching to wear it. I wore it in public once, and people looked at me in the most awful way. It says, breaking news, I don't care. Sorry, the way it's loaded in right now, that thing is, I think that thing is permanent no, right now. I apologize. No, no, that's fine. I didn't know what you could do or couldn't do, but breaking news, that my wife got me this. I think it looks good. All right, uh, welcome in, everybody. It's nice to have you uh, along. Uh, lots to get to today. we got a, a packed show, so I, I really can't dilly-dally so much because... Uh, there are many things to get to. We got Brian Mull coming up, golf writer. We're going to talk about the uh, PGA uh, wrapping up its uh, playoffs this weekend in Atlanta with the FedEx Championship. Somebody's going to win a lot of money, some bodies, but uh, the winner will win a ton of money. We're also going to have coming up uh, later on in the show Gary Higgins, who is the uh, affable soccer coach of ECU. They're o one and one on the year. And the Pirates have their home opener tomorrow, Thursday, against the uh, George Mason University Patriots. So that will be uh, at 7 o'clock at uh, Johnson Stadium. I believe it's free to get in, is it, Pilk? Do you, you sort of know these things. You run in those uh, non-rev circles. Yeah, it Check is free. All, all games, okay. all soccer games are free this year. So, Well, then there's no reason you can't shouldn't load the family up and head out, is what I'm saying there. Uh, as we've already heard, Philip the Ref Pilkington is producing. Germán is our uh, uh, one and only uh, intern in the house today from uh, Ben Byram U. So uh, we've got uh, quite the collection of uh, folks running uh, here today on the Patrick Johnson Show. Also have a pirate report coming up and a uh, little bit of news. Uh, let me get to this before we jump into the pirate report. Uh, we've had on the show before Ross Dellinger uh, now with uh, – Yahoo Sports, and uh, he tweeted out today, in fact, tweeted out uh, about an hour and 15 minutes ago, the ACC continues to seriously discuss the additions of Stanford, Cal, and SMU. New financial models based on SMU taking no share, Stanford and Cal taking a partial share, are circulating around the league, around league administrators. Uh, ESPN, of course, had already reported that. Uh, much of this is not new. Yahoo previously reported that SMU would take no shares for as many as seven years. And that's the thing I thought was, uh, kind of strange. Now, Cal and, uh, Stanford would take partial shares or reduced shares, and then the excess, what's not going to SMU, and then the remaining, uh, stuff that, uh, Cal and Stanford do not take then would be divvied among the, the, uh, the rest of the ACC. Now, this is the other thing that I think is is big out of this uh, from him. The schools, the four of them that voted against expansion, reported as NC State, North Carolina, Florida State, and Clemson. 
Uh, they're against the uh, expansion, and for them, they wish it to be the extra money to be distributed not evenly, but based on performance. I don't know why NC State would want it based on performance, because that really wouldn't give them any extra money, I don't think, would it? Would it? Oh, they've been decent in football lately, right? Kind of, maybe-ish. They're going to win their eight games a year, yeah, at least. But, I mean, they, outside of last year playing in Greenville, they really don't play anybody in the non-conference. That is true. And they didn't want to have anything to do with playing in Greenville last year. They, If they could have afforded it, they'd have bought it out, my guess is. All right, uh, so I just thought that was interesting. Saw that in the last hour, and I, and I thought, well, there's a little bit of an update on from a credible source on something that has died down. Uh, so we'll see. All right, let's go now to the Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. They had a press conference yesterday uh, with uh, Coach Houston, Donnie Kirkpatrick, and Blake Harrell. Usually during the season, that trio will assemble and address the media on Wednesdays, but they did it on Tuesday this week. And uh, we first get... Comments from Coach Houston, because this was the first day back from practice after an off day on uh, Monday. So uh, Coach Houston, out of the gates, talking about preparing for number two Michigan. You know, first uh, first kind of day of practice for Michigan today, and uh, you know, I thought I thought it was solid. Um, you know, when you start transitioning to this, you know, you now all of a sudden. Uh, you got guys that are that are running Michigan's offense and Michigan's defense and Michigan's special teams, and so you got to kind of work through that because you know, um, you know, all, all all those freshmen and some of the new guys they come in here and you know they, you know, they're going to start their freshman year and they're going to they're going to do this and do that and you know sometimes they do and and a lot of times they don't and you know just uh, you know so got to kind of work through that. And uh, you know, teach them the bigger picture about uh, number one. They've got to continue to develop each day. And I try to use examples of you know, Roger Harris started out on the scout team his freshman year. Um, you know, Jari Patterson, the job that he did last year on the scout team, and you know, so many guys. I mean, 99% of our players in our program started out on the scout team. Uh, and then uh, Coach Houston was asked about Jim Harbaugh not being on the sidelines for the opener against the Pirates. I don't know. This kind of went back and forth, and. Uh, I think it's kind of silly, to be honest. I mean, if you want to punish him, punish him, figure it out in the off season. Quit going back and forth like this. So uh, I hope he is on the sideline. You know, it, he's going to coach throughout the week. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to make a significant difference one way or the other on game day. Um, he has a, a staff that's been with him for a while. His offensive coordinator has been there. Uh, a couple of guys on the offensive staff have been there. So, you know, they'll they'll have the game plan and, and I'm sure do a great job of running it. So, but... Uh, you know, I just assume he'd be across the across the field. All right, uh, more from Coach Houston. Uh, he talks about the tight end room. Well, I think uh, the two freshmen are going to be really good ball players, and uh, you know we've prepared them since the beginning of camp to be ready to play this year. You know, both of them are very talented. They're very different. Uh, obviously, Shane is a veteran and has looked very very solid. Uh, so far uh, during uh, preseason camp and, uh, you know, really, really like the athleticism of that room. All right. Uh, this is uh, Coach Houston talking about uh, Keelan Robinson and Chase uh, Soul. Sow or Soul, Ben? Or, uh, uh, I think it's Pilk? Chase Soul is how, uh, is how Soul? Igo said That's it right. in the question. 
All right. And uh, they were asked about how those two have been at practice. Robinson, the uh, transfer from uh, Kansas, uh, I believe. And uh, for Chase Soul, uh, he is another one of the wide receivers. He's uh, a freshman. Uh, and he, or freshman eligibility wise, he was uh, previously at Colorado. So a couple of guys that are, uh, transfers. Knew, uh, that, uh, Robinson was from Kansas. Didn't realize Soul was from, uh, Colorado. But I do know. All right. Here it is. Uh, that cut. I thought that all three looked, uh, looked pretty good today. I mean, I, I, and I thought, um, you know, towards the end of last week and then a few flashes on Saturday, but I thought today they, they looked good. Uh, those, all three of them, I think, will help us in time this year. And, uh, you know, you forget Chase. I mean, Chase has four years of eligibility left. You know, he is a very young player. Keelan's not that old. Ryan's a little bit older. Um, but, but still, he's got a couple of years of eligibility. But, uh, you know, I think all three of them, we're going to be glad they're here. Uh, and I think all three of them will help us at some point this year. All right. Sounds good. Um, let's see here. Uh I, I was going to skip the last one, but it's too good not to. Uh, and I need to, we need to, get, we're blazing through this quick because we got so much on the show today. Uh, but, uh, why not coach Houston? Uh, well, yeah, this would be interesting, I think, to folks, uh, whether the Pirates are going to go full pads or not the rest of the week. Hit it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we need to be in pads, uh, the next couple of days because you're going to, you're going to go, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, not in pads, even though we are going to practice on Sunday. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's good to get some, some, you know, pretty good contact in this week. Um, really kind of sharpen up everything. And that way, when we come back next week, you already kind of have a, a good idea game plan wise. And, uh, you know, you can really focus on, you know, fine tuning everything before the opener. Okay. Uh, and, uh, this is a good one. This was, uh, did, as Coach Houston talked to Holt Nailers after the Seahawks beat, Coach Houston's Cowboys in that uh, preseason game. I haven't heard from him since that one. I'm shocked. You know, we've, we've been talking after after most of uh, most of his games and stuff. But uh, yeah, he, he's played pretty good now for two straight games. And you know, Keaton, good to see him. You know, gash the the Washington football team last night. So really, really excited for those two guys and what they're doing. Okay, uh, let's uh, get into Donnie Kirkpatrick here. Always great to hear from Donnie K. He was asked about the uh, receiver, Jared Gardner. He's had a good camp, too. He's in the thick of that. You know what I'm saying? His, his name probably doesn't come up as much as maybe it should be. I think if you ask him, he would think he's in it. And right now, there's not anybody there that's established. We've had good practices. You know, we've bragged a lot about Jari, but Jari still hadn't done it in a game yet. You know, he knows that, too. So we're going to roll them all, try to keep them fresh. Early in the year, that's a good thing. All right, and uh, this is uh, Donnie Kay on uh, Kamari Edmonds, who has really uh, shown out in the uh, preseason and uh, asked how far he has come along. Here's what Coach Kirkpatrick had to say. Hit it. Camaro's had a great camp. He, he really has. He's one fumble away from really, uh, really, really having an outstanding camp. Uh, he had a couple good runs today, too, so he continues to fit into the system a little bit. Uh, better, you know, the room is, it's, it's deep, but we all know that it can happen quickly. Okay. And, uh, coach Kirkpatrick asked about, uh, how the quarterbacks, Mesa Garcia and Alex Flynn performed on Tuesday. They look good today. 
Yeah, they're really good today. We might not have challenged them quite enough as, as we needed to a little bit. Today was uh, that first day where we went primarily scout team. And so there's a lot of organization to that. You know, a lot of guys get a little disappointed too. And then, and then all of a sudden they've gone from running our defense to now they've got to run Michigan's defense, and it's totally different. So you got to card some of it. You know, you get a short film session, but uh, a lot of organization today, so it's a little slower. Don't get quite as many reps, not quite as competitive. That'll get better. But that's the beauty of having this week and, you know, not playing a game. The first week of school, you start with the scout teams. You get a whole week kind of get all that worked out. But uh, I thought Mason, Alex, and Raheem all threw the ball well in one-on-one drill today against our defensive guys and in Skelly. And then we did have a little team run play action pass, which uh, we missed one throw in there, I think. We hit the other. So, you know, pretty good day. Okay. I uh, want to make sure that we get uh, – we may save some of the Blake Harrell stuff for tomorrow, Pilk. So make note of that. Um, let's skip to 12 and ask, uh, ask Donnie Kirkpatrick if the Pirates would have a set starter at quarterback. There's just not a set pattern for that because what we got to do is just got to play the game, try to win the game, you know. And uh, again, it's a long season. We're going to do whatever it takes. I mean, if we got to put a pinch hitter in, you know what I'm saying? We got to bring somebody out of the bullpen. We're, we're willing to do that. Um, I would prefer to have that starter, and I'd rather have that guy like Holton, you know, like everybody would. Uh, but, you know, I don't know that Houghton was that when he first got here either. He had to earn that. And, and, and Mason and Alex are just great team players. And they want to win, most of all. They want the team to do well. And right now, they, they've earned the right to play, but they haven't earned the right to, you know, have a couple bad series in there or a couple bad games if you got somebody else capable. Bill, what do you make of that? Is that coach speak? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the fact that, you know, we kind of talked about it, I think it was yesterday, where we said they haven't really named a starter that's a little weird. So when you haven't named a starter, well, you're trying kind to keep it to, competitive. I, yeah, I, I get what they're. So you almost—he's I mean, building on that. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think okay. it is a good point. Like I said, if you have two or three bad games, I mean, you know, Holton was the number one guy last year. I don't—I don't know if you're in that situation right. this year. But I—but w- I think everybody would admit that there, there were times in his career he had some bad games, and they stuck with him. And I just—if Garcia's the guy, I unless. It's, to me, you got to stick with him if he's the guy. I agree. You don't do. want to kill a young man's confidence because then he's never going to be back. Well, he's been loyal, and you know they stuck by Holt Nailers when maybe it might have been expedient in some people's minds to maybe go a different direction for a game or something. I don't know. I mean, Holt overcame it all, but I just think that's kind of that whole thing is is I I, I, I really believe Garcia is going to be the the starter, but you know apparently Alex Flynn has looked really good too. All right, uh, last thing here, and then we'll we'll grab a break on our pirate report. Donnie Kirkpatrick on uh, who would be in the tight end mix behind Shane Calhoun. Right now, I think probably Antonio Ferguson has got the leg up there, but it's very, very close. You know, we got two freshmen that have just amazed me that they are this ready to go. Uh, now, again, they haven't played any game, 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, Tyler Savage is out for a while. We hope to get him back here in about a month, I guess. He was telling me today he's going to be back next week, but I think he might have been just optimistic about that a little bit and making sure I still remembered who he was. But uh, that's who it would be right now, Antonio Ferguson. I think all three of those guys will play, uh, and we'll need them all to play too. We uh, actually will may even play an offensive lineman in at tight end in some blocking situations, okay, <coughs> like that. He'd have an eligible number, obviously, so I won't say who right now and give the scout report totally. You did you? I'm guessing you did some editing on all that, Pilk. Yeah. Okay, because these seem like really short Donnie Kirkpatrick answers. Oh, yeah, for sure. There are some of them where I've done three cuts from one answer. <laughs> well, that happens, right? Yeah. Okay, I uh, love Donnie. We love when Donnie uh, comments. All right, uh, if we have some time to get to Blake Carroll at the end of the show, we will. We've got to get a break in now. When we come back, uh, let's talk to Brian Mull. He'll be with us to uh, talk about the uh, upcoming uh, golf playoff final for the FedEx Cup. They played in Atlanta. Uh, we'll get that. Pilk will be excited because he's a big golf guy. Our, our pal Brian Maul and then Gary Higgins still to come here on the show. So a lot to get to. Don't you dare go away. Download the new IVX Media app now and get the show for your ears and eyes. Doesn't it look great on me? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Decoration day. Now mind the rolling stone on his grave. All right, uh, welcome back, Patrick Johnson Show. Well, drive-by truckers. Uh, that means only one thing. Brian Mull, who is uh, a golf writer at large, joins us here on the uh, Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, Mull, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing well, Patrick. The temperatures have cooled a bit. Football is in the air. Life is good. Boy, you're really ready for football this year. Right? It's very interesting. All right. Well, we're as one season is set to begin, we're at the end of another season. And uh, that is the PGA FedEx Cup Championship will be contested starting tomorrow in Atlanta. This has always been a, an interesting tournament at the end of the year. Roy McIlroy won it last year. He's good at coming back in this uh, event. There was the year Tiger won it and got more headlines than the winner of the FedEx Cup, rightfully so. So, uh, you know, well, I'll just I'll let you give the primer and then we can we can deconstruct what's wrong with this process. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the the Tiger year was really an impetus for change because, as you say, Tiger won the golf tournament, but Justin Rose kind of in extremely anticlimactic fashion won the big bag of cash for winning the tour championship. And the tour realized that was not really what they wanted. Uh, and so that forced them to, um, to go to this staggered scoring method uh, where the leader of the FedEx cup, who in this year is Scotty Scheffler starts the golf tournament at minus 10. The only tournament on earth where everyone doesn't start even. And uh, then the other players are two, three, four, five shots back. Victor Hovland being in second, Rory McIlroy being in third. And, you know, you could, on one hand, you could say that the format has worked because we have seen people come from behind 
and certainly make up the shots, uh, if not in one round, but easily over the course of four rounds and, and win the championship. As you mentioned, McElroy has done it a couple of times. But, um, you know, it's just kind of a goofy way to end. Uh, it, it, if you're 10 shots back, you're probably eliminated, which I'm fine with that. But um, I don't know. I just think we could get creative here and get away from the stroke stroke play format and yeah. come up with something that's a little more exciting for the viewer. Here's the issue. Brian Mull, golf writer, on with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. You can follow him on uh, Twitter at BG Mull. Here, here's the issue. You don't have to watch this thing to, which, I mean, they're only worried about the weekend ratings anyway. But, I mean, Saturday at the earliest, but you can tune in Sunday to the final nine and you've got the story. Exactly. Exactly. And there's really no need to tune in before that. Um, yeah. Because they're just jockeying for a position the first few days. And, you know, the worst thing that could happen to the tour would be for Scotty Shuffler to go out and shoot a 63 or 4 on Thursday and his pursuers, uh, you know, hang around even par. And then all of a sudden he's just got a stroll in the park on the weekend. Um, Scheffler has been the most consistent player on the tour all year. He's certainly worthy of being in first. I'm not trying to take that away from him. his, his putting woes uh, have, have kept him from having an epic historic season where, where uh, you know, we would be talking about a guy with six or eight wins. Uh, he certainly has struck the ball beautifully and well enough to to have won that many tournaments this year. Uh, but I just think that they've kind of dropped the ball here, missed the boat. Uh, I, I don't see why we couldn't take, for example, the top 32 and do some type of match play yeah. event. And uh, and then even if you if you narrowed it down uh, the final week where it was only the top eight and then over four days, you could, uh, people say, yeah, anything can happen in 18 holes of match play, which is true. I mean, you could have 36 hole matches as they used to do in the world match play tournament over in Whitworth, um, where you really were, were determining who was playing the best, uh, in each match and over the week. But, but the, what they're concerned with there is uh, a blowout, right. you know, a situation where, where the match ends on the 12th hole and, and we're forced to just sit there and listen to the commentators talk for an hour about it afterward. And um, they, they, they're just hopeful that uh, their researchers, their, their math people have come up with the best formula to perhaps provide an exciting finish um, to what is basically just a huge uh, cash grab. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll get back to who you like in this. I, I can imagine Victor Hovland coming off the fact that he earned it. Last time out in Minnesota is there, uh, or in the Midwest. But here, but uh, you know, talked about we we talk about flawed processes. All of a sudden, uh, Brooks Kepka's name is not getting at least rotated from by traditional golf media uh, on uh, on being a Ryder Cup member, and that just baffles me. I mean, never mind. I mean, I I think DeChambeau deserves to be on, but you know. That could be argued. Kepka, come on. Kepka has to be on the team. Uh, you know, Fred Couples, who's one of the seven or eight vice captains for the squad, uh, kind of let out on his radio show uh, a few weeks ago that 
he was certain Kepka was going to be on the team. I mean, how can he not? And I just don't uh, – I don't understand how you could even try to go over there. Uh, let's keep in mind the United States has not won the Ryder Cup on foreign soil in 20 years. Why you would not take a guy who's proven that he can go toe-to-toe and, and relishes those situations, has a fine Ryder Cup record, um, and I think would have something to prove not only for himself but as a representative of Liv. And even though he says that doesn't matter to him, I think deep down, you know, that, that uh, those guys – want to prove as they have done in the majors over the course of the season that they haven't lost their skills um, <laughs> by, by switching over to a different circuit. So Kepka's got to be on the team. Uh, if he's not, it's just, it's one of the most egregious omissions in the history of the event. Uh, and Zach Johnson should be ashamed of himself. If, if he doesn't select him, uh, yeah. I would, you know, Bryson, I would have under strong consideration when you're looking at the other candidates. Um, again, because he's an alpha, because he's won majors, because he's not going to back down from the moment. And he's playing well. And he's played well. He just shot 58 and won. He, he's, he's, he played well at the PGA. He played pretty well at the U.S. Open until, you know, he didn't have a great Sunday, but still had a decent finish. And... Um, you know, you, you want to take your best 12, and in a year where some of the Americans have been a little lackluster, to be honest, I, I don't uh, – I mean, I think you have to be creative and think outside the box and take the best available players. Yeah, it's 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 really confusing to me. Brian Mull, uh, so Kepka's got to be on there. DeChambeau should receive strong consideration. Is there anybody else from the Live Tour that you think would be a representative member? Um, no, <clears throat> excuse me. No, I think. Okay. I mean, that, that's, that's really kind of a yes or no question. So yeah. who's in the, in your mind, who's in the mix for the last six spots? Well, yeah, just, just to remind everyone, Scheffler, Clark, Harmon, Cantley, Homa, and Shoffley have qualified. The, the point, there's no more points available. That ended last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Kepka is seventh. I just, 29 points, so, I mean, he's obvious. You pick him. Uh, Jordan Spieth is eighth. I think you have to pick Spieth yeah. Uh, yeah. with his experience. Uh, he's had a stretch this year around the Masters where he, he was very much in form. He's, he's shown flashes. Uh, Morikawa is tenth. I think he's an obvious pick. Uh, just uh, his ball striking it, it has been as good as it's ever been this year. Uh, in the you know alternate shot format, a guy that's that reliable is, is an asset. So I think those three, by all accounts, are locks, as is Ricky Fowler, yeah. who's a little farther down the list, but won this year, uh, obviously played great at the U.S. Open, and had some other solid finishes. So, so you're, you're looking at two spots. And, you know, I think Lucas Glover is worthy of being strongly considered. He's hot. I mean, if we, he's hot. He's hot. He's figured out the putter. He's always been a, a top 30, top 40 ball striker, and and now he's a top 20 putter. And, um, you know, he's a major champion. People forget that. I, I, I would think that he, he has to be heavily considered. Um, and then, you know, that 12th spot, 
I would pick DeChambeau because, like, I'm not. There's nobody. There's nobody who's clear cut. Keegan Bradley would probably be the. He has won twice in the season. He beat a, you know, won an elevated event in Hartford. He's played on it. It means a lot to him. I mean, it means a lot to all these guys. But I think, you know, Bradley is a guy that, uh, again, he's a ball striker from week day to day, week in, week out, uh, that is pretty reliable. Uh, I would certainly favor him over a Sam Burns or a Cam Young yeah, or yeah, a Justin Thomas. Um you know, all of them had the ample opportunity. Look, those guys played a lot of events, especially late in the year, and all they needed to do was pop one off, uh, a win, a, a, a second. Um, you know, they and they just weren't able to get it to the barn. So uh, beyond that, um, you know, we'll miss uh, – the U.S. will miss Will Zalatoris, who, who's still yeah, recovering. That's true. Um, he would have certainly been, uh, been, a, been a factor on the team. Uh, I, I – don't know that you can pick Tony Finau. There's been some rumblings there, but Tony Finau's 21st and, on and, the point. And he wins in events that are, I mean, let's face it, not the strongest fields. Yeah, and he did not. Uh, his major championship performance, while that used to be a, a strong suit where you could count on him to be a top 15, top 10 kind of guy, uh, he has fallen sure. yeah. off in that regard as well. So I just don't uh, – I think you would really be opening up uh, uh, uncertainty um, now I know that chemistry p- plays into the, the team, but but I, I just don't see where DeChambeau would be that disruptive. No, in my opinion. No. All right. Uh, last last thing here, FedEx Cup. What you got, uh, Brian Mull at BG Mull on Twitter? What do you got, FedEx Cup? Who, who's your picks to click in this thing? It's just all shaping up for Rory. You know, oh, like, gosh, he's right there. He plays East Lake as well as anyone who is in this field. Um, and I, I just feel like, you know, he's right where he, he likes to be three shots back. He's got four days to make it up. Um, I, I, I just feel like it's going to be Rory at the end of the day. He, he's pretty good at winning the FedEx Cup. I did groan when you said that. That's what I always was. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's he's reached a little a level of insufferability, in my opinion. It's been a bit much. Um, it's been a bit much. I will agree. <laughs> All right, uh, Brian Mull. What a note to end uh, the uh, the PGA uh, season on with with Mull and, and Mize uh, news and comment. I guess you could say during that. Will. Uh, We'll get you before the Ryder Cup or maybe around the selection press sometime. We'll, we'll get you on. And I know we got basketball, college hoops around the corner. You've been uh, eyeball deep in that. Good to talk to you, Maul. We'll, uh, we'll catch you soon. Okay. Always a pleasure. Everybody have a great weekend. All right. That's Brian Maul, and we have more of the Patrick Johnson Show right after these words. What are you doing? Two pros and a cup of joe. Dan Patrick, hoist the colors with Stephen and I go and the Patrick Johnson Show. This is perfect. Why didn't I think of this before? We have you covered with all things sports. More of the P-Man coming up next on 94.3 The Game. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 94.3thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. We're back in on the Patrick Johnson Show tomorrow night from Johnson Stadium on the ECU Athletic Campus, uh, the home opener for the Pirates soccer team. 
They'll be taking on George Mason. We'll give you all the deets uh, on that, uh, but it should be an exciting uh, kick at 7, face-off at 7. Gary Higgins will get me straight on all the terminology. He is the affable coach of uh, Pirate Soccer. And, uh, Coach, it's always great to talk to you. I hope uh, it was a productive offseason and uh, looking forward to the season ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're excited to get going with the 2023 season. And, um, yeah, it was productive offseason. And um, this is the best time of the year for us, though, when um, classes start and the fall season begins. Got you. You split uh, the friendlies or, or the exhibitions uh, with uh, Elon and UNC, and then uh, an O one and one beginning to the season in Florida, playing yep. of course at uh, UF out of the SEC, and then North Florida on a Sunday morning late. So, uh, what, what did you learn about the team in that swing through the Sunshine State? Yeah, obviously um, a challenging couple of games down there in the in the Florida heat, but um, we played UF. Um, we we done very well. We were very comfortable the first half, and then they got the the go ahead goal, unfortunately. And then after that, we created some really good chances and had them on the back foot and just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And then they caught us on the counter attack late on and got a penalty kick. So overall, we created enough chances to win that game, and we were a bit disappointed we didn't get a positive result. But um, then the UNF game was like 106 degree temperature it felt like oh, wow. and uh, it was 11 o'clock kickoff so they've actually got a fantastic defensive record they haven't conceded a goal at home in a year and a half since October 2021 so they're a good team um, and I think it could have went either way we could have won it we had some chances they could have won it they had a couple of decent chances so was extremely proud of the team because they battled really, really hard for 90 minutes. And um, we had uh, three of our starting central midfielders unavailable um, and some people really stepped up and done a job for the team. So, um, yeah, overall, please. Um, I know a lot of people don't like ties in soccer, but sometimes a tie can be a positive result and it can give you momentum. Um, we all love to win, but... Um, we also do not like to lose, and, and sometimes it's um, a really hard-bound tie to, to gain some momentum and then hopefully go on a bit of a, a winning streak. We're talking to Coach Gary Higgins, ECU Women's Soccer. They'll play uh, George Mason, who has uh, struggled offensively through their first two so far uh, this year. The Pirates will look to get things cranked up themselves Thursday night at 7. Uh, it's a wide-out game at Johnson Stadium, so we hope uh, lots of uh, families – and Pirate fans will head out uh, to that one as ECU looks to uh, begin the uh, home slate on a uh, on a winning note. Uh, Coach, uh, as far as the game tomorrow night, uh, the opener, uh, what what will you hope out of the team against George Mason, who who has had some problems on both ends? Yes, we're just um, ready to attack the game. We obviously respect George Mason. We had a close game with them at their place last year. We managed to get a good victory 2-1 but um, they'll be scrappy they're looking they'll be hungry to get their first result of the season also um, so we need to be we need to be ready to go but we'll be playing on the front foot um, in our home opener we should have lots of energy 
and we're looking to really make an impact on the offensive side of the ball and, and still obviously be focused and um, determined on the defensive side. So uh, we're just really, we wish the game was right now. We, we are just uh, really ready to go and, and get out there and we hope we hope that Pirate Nation really supports us and there's nothing quite like playing an evening game in Johnson Stadium under the lights and beautiful Greenville fall weather. I'm going to uh, kind of have you go through the roster as far as the makeup and, and newcomers and, and contributors, uh, but we I think uh, appropriate to start with Maeve English because she's the senior, went to Conley, has had a really solid ECU career, really great uh, ECU career. Yeah, Maeve's, Maeve's been awesome for us. She's a senior in the classroom, but um, she's actually got two years of eligibility, oh, which wow. we're really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's also a team captain, and she was a really important part of us having the sub-best defensive record in program history last year. So excited to, to have her back on board, and, and we're hoping she um, improves and develops even more because... Um, She's she's an awesome goalkeeper and obviously very passionate about East Carolina being a, a local local product. Yeah, and uh, her her stellar playing goal, the clean sheets continues uh, even into this season. As far as the line in front of her, uh, defensively, uh, give us a little bit of of what's on the back end for you guys. Yeah, and that'll be and Maeve Maeve would uh, and the goalkeepers would be the first ones to tell you that. Obviously, they are important, but it's what's in front of them that really almost prevents chances happening, and, and um, we do a really good job of that. So um, we've got, obviously, the Rookie of the Year in the American Conference, Jasmine Ferguson. She's coming back. She's only a sophomore, but she plays like a junior or a senior, and, and she really came in um, fit and ready to go, and, and um, we're just so proud of her because that was something we talked about in the off season. So she's... Um, just hit the ground running as we would expect. Abby Soa is another team captain who's who's um, we're we're really excited for her to develop into more of a leadership role. Um, we've added a, a tall freshman from um, Wigan, England. Uh, she played for Arsenal's youth team, Lucy Fazer Kelly. Um, so she played 90 minutes against UNF and helped us um, get a get a clean sheet and a shutout. So, mm-hmm. um, and then there's um, some other returners who um, can help us on that back line also. Um, that we're really excited to have some depth in that position. So let's work up then towards uh, midfield and, and uh, your attackers and all of that. Yeah, so like I mentioned, we were a little bit... Um, uh, we were a little bit limited in terms of our, our depth in Florida because of... Uh, we had um, our two starting central midfielders, Captain Holbrook and uh, Sierra Lowry. Both uh, Sierra was out for both of the games. Catherine actually had to get rushed um, to the to the ER after our Florida game. Mm. Um, but thankfully, thankfully she's okay. Um, but um, yeah, that was um, not the best not the best start on the injury <laughs> front in such a in right. such an important position. But we're hoping to have both of them back soon. But like I mentioned, um, we had a couple of people who haven't played in that position much, came in and, and done a really good job for the team. Um, so we're excited to get Catherine and Sierra back, but we're really proud of uh, Annabelle Abbott. She's kind of went into a more central position there where she usually plays out in the wide areas. She's went in and done a fantastic job for us centrally and, and um, really 
worked hard for the team and, and being selfless in, in that standpoint. So uh, Molly Thomas uh, came in and, and done a really good job against UNF. Um, and then some freshmen, um, Ella Steck and, and um, Elsa Stedman came off the bench and, and contributed some minutes. Um, Kylie Alvarez um, really worked hard on the on the wing areas, and uh, basically everyone just came off the bench and, and, and really helped the team, and especially in that midfield position. Uh, Coach Gary Higgins, ECU Soccer, is with us. Pirates open the uh, home slate tomorrow, Johnson Stadium, seven o'clock against George Mason. You get a look at all of the newcomers to the American that are soccer-playing institutions. Uh, Florida Atlantic will be at home later on. You travel to Birmingham to take on UAB and then uh, wrapping up the year at North Texas following a, a trip to SMU. That's in uh, late October. And then Senior Day will be against Charlotte on the 26th. So these new programs to the American, how how do you see them uh, competing and adding to the league? Yeah, it's going to be very competitive. So from a soccer standpoint, these changes that have happened in the American are definitely a positive one. Uh, you've got some teams that have been in the NCAA tournament there and, and have winning records for a number of consecutive years. So definitely makes it uh, more challenging. We obviously lost some good teams, but we've added um, some really solid uh, programs. So um, excited about the, the, the change-up as well with the East and West division. Um, so we've we've got to set our goals of, of trying to compete for a East Division Championship and, and get our hands on a trophy and then hopefully our overall body of work is, is good enough to be um, competing for a Conference Tournament Championship and, and the holy grail, as I call it, of getting in that NCAA Tournament. Absolutely. Uh, pick second in the East in the preseason behind Memphis. What kind of squad does Memphis have? Memphis uh, has a has a terrific squad there um, for the last 20 years. Um, Coach Brooks Monahan has done a fantastic job with that program. So they've just got quality players in every position. Um, but we ran them very close in the in the conference tournament quarterfinal last year at their place. They a, they've made that home field a fortress, and and we held them to zero zero in the regulation, and we actually had the crossbar with two minutes to go, which would have ended their season, but they ended up scoring an amazing goal in overtime. And then after that, they went on an unbelievable run of winning the conference tournament and getting all the way to the Sweet 16 um, in the NCAA tournament. So fantastic squad, and they're kind of like the the standard of our conference and, and, and something that we aspire to, to get to that level and, and sustain it, hopefully. Coach, uh, I know people that are involved in soccer – uh, coaching and playing are never shy on their thoughts on the sport. Uh, just want to get your, you know, thoughts on the just completed World Cup. Has the world kind of caught up with the U.S. or was this U.S. team? You know, there's been a lot of opinions on. You can say what you want about them. Do you think it's more the world or you think this team just didn't perform? No, I definitely, I definitely think the world's caught up. The the standard of soccer in some of these countries, because a lot of the leagues have went full time to where they're practicing a lot more. The resources available to some of these countries, and and we've got the USA to thank for that because they were the pioneers and and they really got women's soccer headed in the right direction. And um, 
Yes, other teams have caught up and it's made it more difficult for the US to be success, successful, but we should also be really proud of what we've done for women's soccer in, in, in the world. And um, that's something that can never be taken away. But also, I do feel the the squad for the US was a, a, a it could have been a good mixture of veterans and, and youth, but it was also quite difficult to manage and, and there was a couple of injuries that were in key positions, but um, I would lean more towards being on the side that the world has caught up and it's just really got more difficult to, to win consistently, but I've got no doubt in my mind that the USA will bounce back and, and win more trophies in the future. Coach Higgins, always uh, great to talk uh, talk uh, soccer with you. Always great to talk your program and the sport. And uh, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck this season. And uh, we want everybody to head out tomorrow night to Johnson Stadium as ECU takes on George Mason in the home opener. 7 o'clock. Uh, hope everybody will uh, go out. Should be a really uh, nice weather evening. So uh, I think a lot of Pirate fans and uh, a lot of families in Greenville will, uh, will head out. Coach, thank you and, and best of luck. Thank you. I appreciate you having us on, and um, go Pirates. All right. Thank you, Coach Higgins. We will be back to wrap up today's show and tell you about tomorrow and the rest of the week right after this. Stay with us. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, great to have Gary Higgins on. What a job he's done. And uh, he has uh, got him playing well. They they were scoreless at halftime of the game against Florida and could have very easily uh, taken that one. But, uh, uh, look, Florida had the go-ahead goal, tacked on another one, and then uh, scoreless on a hot day, as you heard, against uh, North Florida. And uh, great to have Brian Mull on talking uh, golf. I know – we got uh, tomorrow's show is going to be uh, equally as scintillating. Uh, Jim Zoki will join us live tomorrow, uh, interim voice of Pirate Football this season on uh, the uh, ECU Sports Network and uh, with the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk some cats tomorrow. I'm sorry you're going to miss that one, Pilk, because you're probably a frustrated guy right now with your Panthers. Frustrated with and, that defense uh, who can't stop anybody. Well, offensive line, I guess they looked a little better, but I think there's still some questions. Up front. My opinion, Bill. My opinion. I'm with you there. ECU volleyball coach Adler Augustine. And don't forget Friday, 5 o'clock, the premiere of the Logan Zone. Because when you're at East Carolina, you go for it every time. Yeah, that's what you have in store for you, Pilk. Uh, we'll I'm looking forward talk- to it, though. Yeah, we'll talk to Greg uh, Fisry who's got this uh, book about the origins of football, fascinating stuff, and Doug Martin. In fact, we'll do a special interview for social media with Doug Martin tomorrow at 7. So we'll tell you more about that on the uh, radio side tomorrow at 5. See you in the morning on Talk of the Town, 7 a.m., 96.3, 1037, and then back here at 5 for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Thanks to Pilkington, thanks to Jermon, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow.